Thanks, Roger. And it's great to come and sing those songs, especially Easter Sunday, where uh, all of those three that we've sung really declare uh, biblical truths about God, about Jesus, and about what he's done for us. And so a little bit want to speak about uh, this evening, not for too long, just to uh, lead us into the baptisms. Um, but I guess how I respond to someone, how you respond to somebody, depends on what you think of them. Would that be right? I mean, if someone just told you to do something, you know, some stranger, you'd probably ignore them. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I went to the first ever televised Sunday game, uh, uh, which was Manchester United versus West Ham. Uh, at the home of football, that would be Upton Park. Um, <laughs> that maybe is not a biblical truth, but it's not a truth. And it was the first Sunday ever, and uh, 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 there was televised. So I remember being in the South Bank, which was nearly away supporters, because I was only about 12. I wasn't even that high then, it was about there, I was really little. And, um, and there's all this pushing and shoving, and I was so small, there's no way I can start it. But I remember this policeman came up to me, he said, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm just trying to get to the front, because we can't see. He said, oh, I'll help you. I thought, that's very kind of it. And uh, then he threw me out of the ground. He walked me right by the away supporters, and I thought, what's he? I can't believe he's done it. Well, I trusted him, because he was the policeman, because he said to me he's going to help me. I thought, well, that's good. And I was a bit tearful, but I went around the chip shop around the corner, and of course it was live on Saturday. They gave me three fish and chips, and um, I could see it on TV, so that was good for me. We lost that. And maybe it was God punishing me for not watch football on Sunday, I don't know. Um, anyway, that was that. Oh, my father, my dad, you know, a loving authority as I grew up, if he asked me to do something, generally I did it. Uh, or if he told me to do something, I thought I'd better do it. Um, but there, it was because of who he was. If there was some stranger in the, city, in the street that said that, I would say, well, you do it yourself. Uh, sometimes that was the answer to my dad, but I soon realised that was not a good answer. But if you was in the army, uh, there'd be someone who maybe ranks above you, and if they gave you orders, uh, then you would follow them because you would do as your order. But it's because they had authority. What matters this evening? What matters this evening is what you think and how you respond to Jesus. Do you believe he was who he said he was, or is he some imposter, or someone who's just a bit mad and pretends he's the son of God, or even God himself? It depends on what you think of him and who he is, how you respond this evening. Because otherwise, if you don't believe in who he is, why would we take any notice of it? And we're just saying, didn't we? You were the words at the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Some people think Jesus is something about 2,000 years old, but of course he's not. He was there at the very beginning. Uh, at the beginning of John's Gospel, it says this, and the, and the word, word, you could put Jesus in there. So in the beginning, the word, or Jesus, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, not just this past 2,000 or so years, for eternity before the pre-existent Christ. He, he, he's always been there. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. So he's the light of the world. That's what he calls himself, which I'll speak about in a little bit. And he shines his light into the darkness in what sometimes is um, a dark world. In verse 10, if we move on from that passage, it says he came into the world, but some didn't recognize him. So they're not going to believe what he said. They didn't recognize him for who he was. And that's, that's true of much of the world today. They don't recognize him. They think these four weeks, uh, sorry, four weeks, four days that we just had off is probably because the government threw up and needed rest. But it's not. It, it really is because of Easter and the resurrection and everything that came before. Some, of the Bible says, just rejected him. They, they saw him for who he was, but thought it doesn't, it, it's just not relevant to me. And again, we've got people in that camp as well. But the rest, it says, for those who believed, they had the right to be called children of God. And it's a new birth. It's now a spiritual birth. The people who believed were born again, there's this phrase in there, born again Christians, a bit of an anomaly because it's just born again. A born again Christians like Simon, born again, born again. It's a spiritual birth. When you become a Christian, there's a spiritual birth. And this is what these two are going to be doing tonight. They're, they're physically demonstrating that the old person has gone as they go under water and identify with Jesus in his death. When they come out, by identifying with his resurrection. New life. Spiritual birth, born again. And this is, when we think about Jesus and where we're going to put him in this rightful spot, we have to say, well, this is God himself. It was God himself coming to this earth to show us what it was like to follow him, to see him, and to hear his teaching. And we sung that, didn't we? Now we build in you our Christ. You were the word at the beginning. One we've got the Lord most high. Now we build in you our Christ. In John, uh, John's Gospel in chapter 10, he says, I and the Father are one. He's saying, He is God. He is God. He said, I am the bread of life. He pointed to himself with the great iron saints. In the Old Testament, when God was asked, Well, who are you? Who should I say send me? He says, I am who I am. So when Jesus quotes this, in the New Testament, he knows exactly what he's saying. He's pointing to himself, saying, I'm God, in a physical form. So John 10, I am the Father of one. He says, I am the bread of life. You can feel yourself, and I tried doing this uh, when I was younger, you can feel yourself with food, or alcohol, or relationships, or possessions, but only Jesus can feel the aching gap that you'll feel if you're somebody that doesn't know you. There'll be an emptiness in your heart that will never be filled unless you fill it with Jesus Christ. He is alive, that's what this day is about. He wants to be alive in your heart. And that spiritual hunger that everybody is searching for, everyone searches for some sort of spirituality, can only be filled and only be satisfied with the one who says, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. There's so many people when I look around, got so much going for us, yet yeah, we've got so many uh, illnesses around as well, but so many in darkness and despair, and they're searching, and sometimes down the wrong road they go to the occult or other sorts of things, away from the church, away from God, which is dangerous. I'm a minister, I have to deal with the other end of that, and it's not, it's not a nice thing to have to do. 
and it's a deception that is from the evil one, called Satan. Jesus points to himself and says, I am the light in the darkness. He is the one to follow. He unashamedly points to himself. But of course, I've got to believe who he said he was, but he didn't have any kind of authority. I am the good shepherd, he said. He sacrifices his life for the sheep. He knows them by name. He knows these two this evening by name. And that is a real privilege. He knows them by name. The moment they're in that water, even though we're all here, it's wonderful to, to witness it. It's between them and God. And he knows them by name. And they will know they're good shepherd. It means that it's very personal and that they're very valued by God. Very valued. And the sheep follow the shepherd. Uh, the way the shepherds operated in those times wasn't like the shepherds that we see, the shepherd running around and chasing all the sheep. He just walked ahead and the sheep were just following because they trusted him and they loved the shepherd. Jesus says, beauty to my own good shepherd. And he asks you to follow him. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's quite a challenging statement, isn't it? And, and while we uh, always seek to dialogue and get on with other religions, this is an outrageous claim, and only God can make it. Jesus says he's the only way. Not all religions lead to God, and not all spirituality leads to God. Jesus is the only way. He is the only one. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He gives direction uh, to a lost world. He gives truth in the world that said there's no real truth, and he gives Life, life in all its fullness now, which is only found in a relationship with Him, but also for eternity, for eternity. And He says, "I am the true vine." The vine was a symbol in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel, which were a people that were set apart uh, for God's glory. They didn't get it right all the time, but He didn't give up on them. But Jesus is saying, well, "I'm the true vine, and you must stay connected to Me. You are the branches." And basically it means that we have life if we're attached to that vine. And like anything, if you snap off the branch, it dies. And it's death. One connected to Jesus' life, the other leads to death. Basically, it's really easy. What I would say to you tonight, if you know already, is you need Jesus in your life. Uh, when I look at all those statements, when I looked at the evidence, the existence of Jesus, when I've looked at the evidence of the resurrection which has been celebrated today, it means that I can take from his word. It means that he has someone who speaks with authority. And I can look at this person of Jesus and say, what am I going to do? Am I going to make him the rightful person in my life? These two tonight are going to declare that and say, yes, they are. And they're going to come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When he was born, they gave him the name Jesus. Why did they give him the name Jesus? Because it means literally the Lord saves. Why does the Lord save? What does it mean when someone says, Jesus saved you, or Jesus died for you? You say, thank you very much, I didn't ask him to. But he did it anyway. When he was born, they gave him that name, the Lord saves. Why? Well, just saying it. He didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. God himself comes down to live on this earth, to be among us in our midst, to show us a better way. My sin was great. I've been known to wrong stuff, not, not as much as I used to, but I don't get it right. No Christian gets it right. The worst slave you can be a Christian 
is to say you're self-righteous because they're not. They can't be. They can only become righteous in Christ. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was great. It means that we're saved from the penalty of sin. Someone has to pay when we do something wrong. There's a sense of justice in the world. Um, if someone fell by my family, I want them to pay for it. Um, but Jesus said, well, you've done a lot wrong in your life. I'm willing to pay for you and to set you free and reconcile you to God. And then we're saying, so if that were true, what could separate us now? And there's reconciliation to God. What a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Nothing and nobody compares to him. And it's because of who he is, Jesus. It meant that death couldn't hold him. It meant that the vow was torn, that we could have a relationship with God. He silenced the boast of sin and grave. And this is massive, and this is huge on a day like today. Easter Sunday. You can imagine the earth turning on its axis at that time because history was in the making. For 2,000 years, people have tried to find the body. They can't find it. It's not there. He's alive. And for 2,000 years, they've been trying to disprove Christianity. Yet a third of the world are Christians. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again on this Easter Sunday. There's a resurrection story. There is no body. He is alive. If you want to crush Christianity, go and find the body. You won't. It's not there. So you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. And these two are being baptized into that name this evening. How powerful is that? That is incredible. They're moving from that darkness to light. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, which they do, has become a new person. The old life is gone. There are certain things in your life that you know you have to stop. A new life has begun. There's so much more that God has got in store for you. You move from death to life. You're calling on the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. They're putting their hope in him because they're believing he speaks with authority and they're going to listen as someone who speaks with authority. They're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the, is the part of the Trinity of God who lives within us to help us become more like him, helping them live their life to Jesus' way. I remember uh, before I became a Christian, now, I was a broker in the city, and I used to swear a lot and use God's name in that quite often, uh, drinking and all sorts of things uh, going on. And um, I went on a course called the Alpha Course, which you run here, and um, I remember hearing uh, some of this and thinking, wow, this is true, I'm in trouble. And then when I, when I looked at the evidence, you know, people say it's a massive leap of faith, I've got the jumping here. It's not, it's just a simple step based on evidence. There's so much evidence that most people don't look. And I remember um, that I thought, oh no, I'm in a bit of trouble. And I was walking through Upminster Park at 5.30 in the morning. And I prayed a prayer that the 
the minister of Set Pray, which was just asking God to come into my life and change me, and if you're real, show it to me. And I felt nothing. And I got on the train, and just had a sense that I wasn't on my own, and went to the dealer and left me everything to change. No, I hadn't read the Bible that much, and nobody had told me, but, but somebody came up to my training desk and swore and use the name of Jesus in that. And before I knew what I was saying, I said, you might not saying that anywhere near me. But where did that come from? No one taught me that. It's the spirit of God inside that begins to change you from the inside out. You can't manipulate him. He's there and he changes you. Not all, not all the time you can be one big guy, sometimes just gently. Um, we're not um, uh, sinless saints. We are saints that sin us because the Holy Spirit working in our lives, which is amazing. And that's the promise of God today. Jesus said when he when, went, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll send another one like me, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He promises to live within you, to change you from the inside out to become more like him. So they recognize these two, that they come to God only through Jesus. He's the only name that without him there's a void, there's a gap, there's a chasm, and it'll always be there until they give their, themselves fully to God. They realise their desperation, they're doing something about it tonight. They know that only Jesus Christ can help. They know that as they call on his name, that through any darkness in their life, his loving kindness and light pours over them. And they need that because in Romans, Paul says, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned, everyone's done something wrong, and fall short of the glory of God. As we heard earlier, as we heard earlier, it's not that we get everything right. It's not that uh, we're perfect in our strength. We're made perfect in him. He takes our sins, like this is my wrong doing here. And there it is, it's a mess, and it's blocking my relationship with God. He puts it on himself. There's a transaction on that cross, and he puts it on himself. And not only that, he gives me his righteousness, which means I have a relationship with God. It's not about me, it's all about what Jesus Christ himself did. It's a divine transaction. He takes my wrongdoing and makes me right with God. He takes my punishment and puts it on himself, because all of sin will fall short of the glory of God. We heard Roger say in that passage, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save them. So often Christians can seem a bit condemnatory, that's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be loving and accepting, even though we're standing for the truth. These two recognize they're desperate and only Jesus can help them. All of sin will fall short of the glory of God. His work on the cross, taking their sin, giving them his righteousness, it means now they have this living hope because Jesus is alive. Mercy is shown, you know, mercy, mercy is they don't get what they deserve. Their debt is paid for by somebody else. They should pay for it. They've done stuff wrong. If I owe money, I should pay them back. Like someone has said, well, pay them for it. It's okay. And their debt is paid for. They don't get what they deserve. Grace is apparent. Mercy is shown. They don't get what they deserve. Grace is there. That means they get what they don't deserve. The righteousness of Christ. God himself takes their sin and shame to the cross. And the cross speaks back to them. 
saying they're forgiven. The king of kings now calls them his own. And they respond, I'm yours forever, you're my living hope. And there's only one response when you recognize Jesus for who he is, and that he's alive, and he can come into our lives if we ask him. And the word that's used sometimes in the songs is hallelujah, it means praise the Lord. Praise the one who has set these two free. Praise the one that death has no grip on them anymore. They're broken. The Lord has broken every chain. They've got salvation. We're going to sing that in his name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. I always say, for those who don't know me, that's probably a good thing. Uh, but my name is Gary, uh, youth work director here at the church. And it's an awesome privilege uh, this evening uh, to be seeing two of these young people in this church being baptised in Imogen and Ellie. And they are nervous as anything. Bless them. But I'm up here to uh, encourage and uh, bless them as much as we can. Because I know so, it's just great to see so many family and friends here. So thank you for coming and just supporting them. In this. So you might be asking, well, what on earth is going on? Uh, what is this down here? This very small swimming pool, which I wouldn't mind doing lengths in it to try and keep fit because it's about my size um, fitness. Um, it's just uh, it's just water. It's its finest water. There's no magic water in there. It's not a special pool. It's just something that we do as Baptists to actually say. We believe in Christ. We're going to stand with him. So what will happen is the young people, but for Ellie and Imogen, they're going to come into the water. And on Easter weekend, they're kind of going to be dying to their old way of life. And coming up new and fresh on Resurrection Sunday, an awesome day to get baptised. But like I said, there's nothing special about the water. The word baptism comes from the word baptizo, which means to fully immerse. Now, Jesus did this over 2,000 years ago in the River Jordan. This is a lot cleaner than the Jordan probably was at that time, so you're all right, okay? Um, so what will happen is uh, they will come down into the water. We've got Tom and Charlotte. are going to be baptizing them this evening. Uh, they're going to share a bit of testimony, which is a little bit about how they've come to this I don't know, really looking forward to that. <laughs> I'll be here with you if we don't care. Right? Whilst we baptise these guys, we're always of the opinion, if you can feel your heart going, if you know that there's something going on in your life this evening, that actually you want part of this. So I always say that we've all got God-shaped hole in our lives. For some of us, we just fill it with stuff. Thank you. Some of us we actually fill with God. And tonight these two have said, I want to fill my life with God. I want to stand for Jesus. I want to stand for Him. I want Him to lead my life. And I want to have that life everlasting. Roger read that passage out earlier on that Jesus died to set us free so we can have eternal life. And that's what He guaranteed that these two received promises they make uh, as they're in the court are going to be lasting for eternity. Okay? For eternity. Heaven will roar tonight. Scripture tells us that heaven rejoices for those that are saved. So I'm going to pray for these two 
And then we're going to kick off with it with a testimony of I've got a song. I've got a song. I've got a song first. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> but I'm going to pray for him anyway before the song. That's all right. Cool. Let's do it, shall we? Father, I want to thank you for these two. I want to thank you for uh, the journey that you have taken them on. It's a journey, Lord, that uh, we have been uh, privileged to take part in. And, uh, Father, there's so many people here this evening that can testify that they've been part of that journey as well. Lord, as these guys uh, come forward, as they uh, give testimony about what you've done in their lives, Father, I pray that you bless them. I pray, Father, that they would know your love and your peace to see them as they get baptised, as they, as they publicly declare that they are for Jesus. I pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Dizzy! You alright? Sure. Let's see what For those of you who don't know me, I'm Imogen and I grew up in a Christian family and we've always attended church. I've been on a journey to get his day with many ups and downs. I officially became a Christian on Bonfire on my first year of soccer Christian camps. These camps have been such a massive had such a massive impact on my life and I'm looking forward to going there for the seventh time this summer. Last year I was tech leader and I will be this coming year encouraging younger people to develop in their faith. I have met some amazing people in these camps and value some strong friendships. In the summer of 2017, as many of you may know, Soul Survivor, the Christian festival, influenced my faith massively. <laughs> in the first few years of, in the first in the few years before Soul Survivor, I had strong doubts in my faith and drifted away from God due to some serious trauma in our family. This was made worse a few weeks before Seoul because a close family member was extremely close to death in intensive care for a couple of weeks. After wondering whether I was in the right place emotionally to go, I have no regrets that I did. Whilst I was there, I had several people come to me, some close and some I didn't even know, who gave me one certain verse that God told them was for me. I got given a postcard, picture, and magnet with all the same verse on there, which I now call my personal favourite verse. Hebrews 6, verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. This verse was very significant to me, especially at the time, because I felt God was saying that He would always be there for me and help me through the storm of my life, allow me not to sink. And for my birthday this year, Nearly two years on, I received a bracelet with an anchor on it, confirming the verse was for me. One of the youth leaders had, men had mentioned that soul that God had given them an image for me. They saw a lot of hurt and pain inside, like black holes, that only God could heal. That evening I stood up for prayer, and that was when I knew God had taken over me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was very overwhelming. But <coughs> It happened twice over two sessions, and after them, the youth leader came back to me and told me that God had filled the, filled the holes with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Finally, I've been thinking about baptism for a while, but the true confirmation for me was when Gary <laughs> preached about a month ago on Jesus being a rescuer. <coughs> baptism will allow me to move forward as Jesus will rescue me. Fantastic. 
one down, one to go. <laughs> Ellie, come on up here. This lovely young year. So you've got, you got two pieces of paper. That's fantastic. Five minutes. Can someone put a kettle off? It'll be alright. Just joking. Ellie, go for it, girl. Um, I've been a Christian my whole life, but I never really took it seriously when I was younger. I think this was mainly due to not knowing much about it and also being having my age. But in 2014, I got invited to Suffolk Christian Camp by the amazing Sally Nodi Grimes. After my first year, I was hooked. I went almost every year after that. However, I always found I fell out of my Christian ways maybe weeks after leaving. Being in friend groups who were not Christian or did not know much about Christianity, I found it hard to stay faithful. But I always had camp to bring me back, and all my camp friends like Ollie, Sienna, Kavian, Auburn, and many more. In 2017, uh, my nan, who was my best friend and my soulmate, passed away, and I looked for someone to blame. Other than myself, I blamed God, because I just thought, how can someone so powerful take the most amazing lady away from us? However, the time rolled around again for camp to appear, and I didn't really want to go, but not me, so. <laughs> I can't explain how much that week helped me, but that was uh, all thanks to the people around me. Sally, my camp mum. She's the most incredible and strong lady I know. She has helped me and guided me through my journey. She spoke to me and pulled she she spoke to me and pulled me back into faith during camp. Sally is the reason I come to church every Sunday, as she goes out of her way to come and pick me up and feeds me every Wednesday so I can go to the discipleship group. <laughs> I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Sally, and also Oliver, Roger and Annie. They're, they're literally my second family. It was one of the last nights at camp, and throughout the week I'd grown closer to God. I sat with a few other girls and just prayed. After a little while, something just clicked, that I needed the guidance of God. I spoke out loud with tears and thanked him and told him I wanted to give myself to him. Uh, this year after camp, I kept up with my Christianity, with Ryan's family taking me to church every Sunday morning. But other, another person to thank who has helped me uh, keep up with my Christianity is Gary. From checking up on me every Sunday to answering all my questions on Wednesday, and trust me, there's a lot, um, he has always been someone I look, to, uh, look up to and aspire to be, as he's, he's so kind-hearted, uh, he also puts others in front of himself. He's like the Bible Gator. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, everyone who I have in my life are so supportive and remind me of why I'm here today in front of everyone. And God has taught me to me in life, and that is to live and to care for yourself and others around you. God is the one person I know I can talk to who will always be listening. And as God says in Hebrews 13, verse 5, shown to me by Sam, God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I know he will never leave me, and no connection can be greater than the one that you have with God. Whatever I do, whether whether I go to church every week or not, everyone in the church community has my back. I've talked to so many new people over this year and met so many new people. Christ has given me so much more confidence, like even getting up here now and reading this. But I know God has my back through thick and thin. Uh, along with all my friends and my family. I'll leave you with two things. First, a quote I scrolled past uh, I scrolled past on Pinterest today as I was writing this. Uh, it says, 
How cool is it that the same God who created mountains and oceans and galaxies looked at you and thought, the world needs one of you too? How incredible that God chose me. He wanted me so that, that so that is why today I want to give myself back and show and shout out that, to the world that I'm following Jesus. Thank you everyone for always supporting me, my family and my friends. Isaiah 41 verse 10. So do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be terrified, I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. My powerful right hand will take good care of you. I always do what is right.